Hello, and welcome to the Healed Podcast, the place where we can talk about all things food, body, and mind from an anti-diet and weight-inclusive lens. My name is Marie-Pierre, or you can call me Marie, and I am your host. I'm a registered dietitian with a background in psychology, and I specialize in food relationship and body image. And I am the founder and CEO of The Balance Practice, a treatment center for eating disorder and disordered eating. Every week on the podcast, you will hear from myself, the team at The Balance Practice, and other providers who have dedicated their careers in supporting folks to have better relationship with food and their bodies. On this podcast, we aim to provide a safe space to have these deep and juicy conversations regarding eating disorder, disordered eating recovery, health, relationship, body image, and honestly, anything we believe will support you in living your big, beautiful life. We believe in the power of healing, and hopefully this podcast will be a great addition to your toolbox in your healing journey. Thank you for tuning in today, and let's get to the podcast. Welcome back to the podcast. How are we doing, my friends? I hope that we are doing so wonderful this November. Welcome to November. So today on the podcast, I'm really excited because we're talking about a topic that we actually have not talked about on the podcast yet, and it's all about your period. We actually have Cynthia Donovan, who's here with us. She is a registered dietitian nutritionist that helps women get their periods back. She helps them reverse hypothalamic amenorrhea, which we're going to talk about today on the podcast, restore their health and regain fertility. So Cynthia's life purpose is to help women find balance with food, body and exercise. She has over 10 years of experience and she founded the Eat to Regain Your Period program in 2020. She's helped hundreds of women across the world get their period and life back. When she's not serving women, she is traveling and having fun with the two loves of her life, her sons, Brian and Brendan. I'm really excited to have Cynthia on the podcast today where we are going to be talking about, you know, period and why we may lose it as women and how to regain it. We also do a lot of myth debunking. Working in eating disorder care, like I have had many, many clients who, you know, lost their period. Um, and there are some myths around time to regain period. Um, so I'm really excited to have these conversation. I hope that you are going to enjoy this topic. And on that note, let's get to the podcast episode. Welcome, Cynthia. I'm so happy that you're here on the podcast today. Me too, Marie. I am so excited to talk about missing periods, also known as hypothalamic amenorrhea. It is definitely a passion of mine. So I'm always excited to get on podcasts and chat all about it. Oh, I think it's gonna be so good. We actually never talked about this. And actually, we've talked about it when we talked about sports nutrition, but we never did like a deep dive of it. So I think it's gonna be really, really good. Uh, but before we get into it, I'd love to hear more about you, your origin story. What got you to do the work that you do today? Yes, Marie, thank you for asking that. So I myself had, I'm gonna call hypothalamic amenorrhea HA for short, just because it's a mouthful, but I had HA many years ago, maybe like eight to 10 years ago. And um, at the time, um, I did didn't know that I had it. 
and I'll explain why in a bit. But currently, I am a registered dietitian who practices solely with women with HA. And the way I got there was, well, I went to college to become a dietitian. And for about half of my career as a dietitian, I was, I don't want to say your typical dietitian because there's so many different types of dietitians out there. But I went to college to become a dietitian to be able to tell people how to eat healthy and how to lose weight and so forth. And all while I didn't know, I was suffering from a little bit of disordered eating. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't know it because it's disordered eating is just so normalized, right? Like you watch what you eat 24 seven, you go to the gym, like, so I didn't know it. But then when I figured out there was a profession to control it even more, I was like, awesome. <laughs> so about half a career, I did that. I worked in the clinical field. I worked in outpatient. I worked in community, like all the realms and all while having sort of like a little side practice of seeing clients privately. And it wasn't until I went through HA myself. And prior to that, I was just, I was never fulfilled with the work that I did as a dietitian. So I decided probably about a couple years after I healed my own HA, I was like, I need to specialize in this. There's just such a need. I struggled, Marie, for years trying to figure out why my period was missing. No doctors could tell me. And when I finally was diagnosed appropriately, first I was misdiagnosed with PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome, which is very common. I was like, what do I do? Like, I'm so scared of gaining weight. I am so afraid of changing my gym lifestyle. I'm so afraid of all the things. And I'm like, I can't be the only one out there. And so I combined my expertise as a dietitian, you know, with a master's degree in my experience going through HA, but then also learning more and, you know, building more science, evidence, research, connecting with, you know, important colleagues to be able to provide my now, well, current clients and past clients with the best overall experience and fast track getting their period back and um, giving them answers that maybe they haven't been able to get otherwise. So yeah, so that's it in a very, very (laughs) of a nutshell. Yeah, you're like, in my elevator pitch, here we are. Yes. That is amazing, though. I really love this. I really love when folks go through their own challenges and then use that as passion afters to be able to support others. Like, I think it's so powerful because it gives you really like such a deep understanding of what your clients are going through and yes. then being able to support them with the science behind it. Um, but I'd love to get into, like, if someone's listening to this and like, what the hell is HA? <laughs> like, what are we talking about right now? Could you like, give us maybe a brief de- definition of what HA is and like, why does happen. Absolutely. So HA, hypothalamic menorrhea, also known as, you know, a missing period. Our bodies are designed, well, most women or people with uteruses um, are designed to procreate, right? And maybe that's not like your goal in life, like to have babies, but that's kind of how we were designed. And so our body in essence, when it feels unsafe, and now I'm talking in regards to the unsafeness of not eating enough and maybe exercising too much. And so what the body does is say, well, hold up. It is not safe around here to procreate. So I'm shutting the sex hormones down. There's just, there's not enough energy. Things are really scary. Now, when I say really scary, because what happens is your body literally, when you do suffer from HA is looking at your exercise, even though it's, oh my gosh, you know, it's my stress relief. And I feel so good afterwards. Your body literally is looking at that like a threat. Like there is a lion chasing you. So your stress hormones are becoming elevated and so forth. So in essence, hypothalamic amenorrhea occurs to protect your body so that you know, 
it can preserve other functions such as breathing, such as your heart beating and things like that. So, you know, in, in sciencey terms, there is your hypothalamus, right? And so the hypothalamus is connected to your sex hormones, your ovarian pituitary access, and it sort of like halts it. So it says, okay, nope, I'm not no more communicating to my sex hormones, my reproduction hormones, regardless if you want to have babies or not, things aren't looking up around here. And so your body goes into, in essence, energy conservation mode and shuts down any non-essential functions, which is not just limited to your menstrual cycle, but digestion is affected, um, hair, skin and nails, your heartbeat. So, you know, it's much more than just losing your period. So I would say like, again, in a nutshell, that's what HA is. And it's, I don't want to say it's a good thing that it happens, but it sort of is because it's, it's protecting your body. It's protective. Yeah. And it's such a big like engine check light of like when your body starts to feel unsafe. And I always like, there's like a meme on the internet where it's like, where on the outside, like you're like dieting, you're exercising, you're all the thing. And you're like, go me. And like inside your body's like, what the hell is happening right now? Like your body does not know that you're just trying to look good for summer. Like that's just not how it is. It's just awful. Like the, the, what the body has to go through. And then a cool thing that we do have that protective mechanism there too. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. So yeah. And I'm curious, like in your opinion or from what you know, like why is it now so common among among females who are in that reproductive age that have eating sort of disordered eating to then also have HA? I think we're starting to learn more about it. So I think it's becoming more prevalent. There's more people talking about it on social media, but there is still an extreme knowledge deficit in overall HA world. So I would say majority of women will have a missing period and sometimes not know it right? Until they're ready Mm. for childbearing age or they're around that time. So giving an example of myself, when I was younger, I went on birth control because I had really irregular periods. And then I stayed on birth control until my 20s. And I was like, well, getting married now. So maybe I should come off, make sure my body's working okay and and so forth. And it wasn't. And um, I always had this intuition that there was something quite not right, oddly enough. And then I couldn't have babies because I wasn't getting a menstrual cycle. But I think it's, you know, a lot more prevalent as a whole, A, we're finding out a little bit more about it, but also because our world is caught up in, as mm-hmm. you may call it, diet culture of, all right, we need to look a certain way. We need to eat a certain way. We need to exercise a certain way. And um, our worth is based on how we look. Our worth is based on how disciplined we are in the gym. I gosh, Marie, when I was going through HA myself, I would always be complimented by others mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, Cynthia, you're so disciplined. Like, how do you do it? And, you know, all the things. And, and that just drove me me further into it until yeah. I didn't even know myself outside of exercise and outside of quote unquote eating healthy. I think it's multi-layered. So it's the world we live in could be upbringing. It was a mm-hmm. dash of upbringing for me, right? My mom never suffered from an eating disorder, but she definitely had disordered eating. She used to yeah. count calories. She used to, oh my gosh, I got to exercise. And she never projected any of it on me, but I saw her. I modeled it, you know, mm-hmm. um, as, as kids do. So I think it's multi-layered of why it's it's happening, but more so yeah. I think it's really fed today by the need to look a certain way, unfortunately. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think like even like in eating disorder world, just like when you see the stats from year to year to year and you're just like, it just keeps creeping up. Like there's just more people with disordered eating, eating disorders. And I a hundred percent agree with you. Like this world that we live in, that's like obsessed 
with food, with bodies, with exercise, it just makes it very difficult. And like you've said in your, like your own stories, like it's normalized. Like people don't even realize that they have disordered eating because they're like, oh yeah, I do this, but like everyone in my world does it too. So it just kind of like, it's almost like swept under the rug and you're just like, well, it is what it is. Um, And I'm really curious. So you talked a little bit about there's still like work to do, I guess, like with the misinformation around HA or even being able to be maybe diagnosed with it. Could you tell us a little bit about those barriers of like either getting a diagnosis or even like realizing that we may have HA? This podcast is brought to you by The Balance Practice. The Balance Practice is a multidisciplinary team of healthcare providers who specialize in eating disorder and disordered eating recovery. We are here to support you in healing your relationship with food and your body. We work with teens and adults across Ontario in a virtual setting. If you are ready to let go of diet culture, heal your relationship with food, recover from your eating disorder, The Balance Practice is the place for you. For more information, you can go to our website at thebalancepractice.com. One thing I want to mention is it's hard to determine if you have HA if you're on birth control, um, just because it masks your your missing period. So it, in essence, gives you a period, but it's not a real period. You're taking oral hormones or potentially shots, or maybe it's a IUD that is hormonal that is you know, giving you a period. So that's one thing. So you won't necessarily be able to tell if your period is missing on birth control pills, unless in fact, it, it gets so severe that you lose your period on the pill, which is is possible to do too, especially with pretty severe um, eating disorders or HA. So going back to the misinformation, many doctors are unaware of HA. And, and let me just kind of put myself on that level for a moment too. And you could even maybe potentially relate to Marie. When I was in college and I learned about HA, I learned that it was for only women with eating disorders, women that have super low body weight or low BMI could potentially have the female athlete triad. And, you know, they're crazy athletes exercising all the time. And this is normal. Mm -hmm. And uh, so when I had an inclination that it might be HA, I was like, nope, I don't fit that bill. I read it. I studied it in my medical nutrition therapy class. No, that doesn't, I do not fit that bill. And so similarly, doctors haven't learned about this either much other than the basics. Like, you know, there's so much, you want to say weight stigma. If you go into your OBGYN and your quote unquote normal weight, right. And you are missing a period, they might be like, oh, you're exercising, you're eating healthy. Oh, you know, you're fine. So, and they just, they lack that education and, you know, doctors are human just like you and I are. And again, all the stuff that I know about AJ now is all self-taught and learned. Mm-hmm. And now let's take an OBGYN for that matter. They're dealing with ovarian cysts. They're dealing with uh, endometriosis. They're delivering babies. They're, you know, seeing women that are postmenopausal. So they don't have that ability to really specialize. Mm-hmm. However, there are some OBGYNs and reproductive endocrinologists out there that are extremely versed in it. But mm-hmm. what I've seen in my experience, Marie, is most are not. And so it comes down to doing your own research and advocating for yourself and, you know, talking to your medical provider, maybe even educating them. I think a lot of us, and I know, I don't know if it's culturally how I grew up or most of us have where it's like, oh, well, if the doctor says X, then it must be. But if the doctor mm-hmm. says I don't have it, it must be. And, yeah. you know, for so long, I was misdiagnosed with PCOS, which drove my HA worse because I was controlling my carbs. I was exercising more frequently, mm-hmm. um, which again is another 
common misdiagnosis and a common thing that women that think they have PCOS do and make their HA worse. I'm not sure if I fully answered the question. I kind of went off on a few different <laughs> pathways there. Um, that's, how the, that, that's how the podcast goes. <laughs> yeah, but I think, you know, the bottom line is do your research. If you like, for example, you hear this podcast, you're like, wow, that sounds like me. Mm-hmm. But my doctor said I don't have it. Well, tap try to tap into your intuition and be like, if I'm fitting all the bills of what's going on with my missing period, then could it be? And I'm not Mm -hmm. to say your doctor doesn't have to validate it because HA technically is a diagnosis of exclusion. So you Mm -hmm. need to make sure you don't have a pituitary uh, tumor, which is usually benign and severely. It is, it is very uncommon. Let's just say that. Mm -hmm. And ruling out PCOS, ruling out other things. So by definition, HA is a diagnosis of exclusion. So that's also mm-hmm. important. So it's it's still a good thing to go see your doctor. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you know your body best. Yeah. Oh my God. So yeah, I feel like, like you were talking. I'm like, I just remember. Um, so part of my history, I had an eating disorder for years and, but I lived in a normal size body. Like mm-hmm. even when I had my, uh, like at the worst of my eating disorder, like I was diagnosed with atypical anorexia, which is like anorexia with fat phobia. Like that's all, that's just what it is. But the same, like I didn't have my period for years and it was just like, oh, it's, but it's fine though. Like you're, you're probably just stressed and it's just like such an interesting concept when, and I think, you know, women's health in general just kind of brushed aside a little bit. So I really love that idea of like that intuition of like, Hey, no, something is wrong. And would you say like, if a woman is not getting their period, like, is that an indication that something is wrong? Like just not getting your period yourself is kind of that engine check light of like, Ooh, okay. Absolutely. 100 and a million percent, if that's even a thing. And so there's a great book by Lisa Hendrickson Jack, and she wrote, it's called The Fifth Vital Sign, and it's all about your period. And she's really pushing. And there's another colleague, uh, Dr. Christiana Schufelt, who is in the Mayo Clinic in the U.S. uh, down in Florida, who is trying to push for your menstrual cycle being a vital sign. Because if Mm -hmm. that is off, something's going on. Something mm-hmm. is going on. It is super important. And and even to this day, as I'm cycling regularly, if I'm not 100% like on point with my cycle, I'm like, okay, what's going on? What's going on with me? <laughs> you know, like, was, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's an amazing thing. Once you are cycling normally, how many things you can attach to it versus appetite, mood, your exercise schedule, your creativity. It's just, it's really cool. And having yeah. a period is essential to your well-being. And we could get into the health implications applications if you if you'd like. Yeah, I think that would be really really cool to to just talk about that because I feel like especially I think in the age that we grew up in like period is like a shush shush thing that you don't talk about. Yep. Like I remember for me it was like you're you're hiding your tampons like anywhere in public and you're like no one can know, you know, and it's such a weird thing that we have around yeah. our period and like we all have them. But yeah. yeah. Before yeah. we get into a healthy period though, yeah. I do want to talk a little bit about just before I forget the health risks that are associated with HA. Um, because I remember in my disordered years when I didn't have my period, I was kind of happy about it. I was like, well, fuck it. One less thing to worry about. And yeah. Like, and it's just kind of season. like, it. yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> you're like, Life is good. Yeah. Um, but I'd love for us to talk a little bit more, like what could be some risk associated with it, whether like physical, mental, what happens yes. when we have Absolutely. HA? Absolutely. 
So there's just so many things aside from just not getting your period. And most will say like, well, if I don't want to have a baby or a baby yet, what's the big deal? And there is a huge deal, huge, huge deal. So I'm going to name some of the biggies. One, your bone health, right? Mm -hmm. So if you have a lack of estrogen or no estrogen, it's impacting your bones, bone regeneration, growth, so forth. Estrogen plays a essential role. And when you don't have a period, likely you have zero to little estrogen. So bone health is one big thing. Now they're finding Marie, which is just so scary. Heart disease because of how estrogen plays a role in heart health. And actually, I don't know if you've ever found this with some of your clients and uh, high cholesterol levels when they appear to be like perfectly healthy. And so, yeah, that's kind of ties into the whole heart disease thing. But also not only estrogen playing a role, newer studies are finding that cortisol levels are also playing a role in which cortisol is one of your stress hormones and is typically extremely elevated when one has HA. So heart disease, osteoporosis, the two biggies, potentially cognitive things later on. And when I say heart disease, I just want to say you might have high cholesterol levels now. Chances are it's not going to like impact, like give you a heart attack or like, you know, but later on in life, maybe your 60s or 70s, that's when the real stuff is going to happen. So it, it occurs over time. You know, then there's also your heart rate, which a lot of people with HA will say, oh, my heart rate's really low. And the doctor will be like, oh, this is great. You're fit. And no, your body is literally slowing down everything just to survive and stay alive. So those, the osteoporosis, heart disease, cognitive stuff, you know, later on, they're finding potentially Alzheimer's higher increase. But those studies seem a lot more inconclusive than the heart disease and the osteoporosis. So um, those are the biggies. And obviously infertility, no period, no ovulation, no baby babies. And aside from that, like other things that are, are complaints and side effects, usually um, hair loss, thinning of hair, poor nails, skin, low libido, poor digestion, brain fog. So things like that. But the biggie ones are the osteoporosis and the heart disease and the infertility. Yeah. Having a period is much more than just being able to have babies or go to the store and buy, mm -hmm. you know, pads or tampons or whatever. Mm -hmm. And yeah. to tell you the truth, Marie, I don't know where the stigma started about like periods and talking about them and so forth. But I think over time, hopefully it'll become a little bit more normalized. Yeah, I, I would hope so too. And I'm really curious, like if someone is like listening to this and like, I haven't had my period, but like, I feel like I'm eating enough and I feel like my exercise is not too much. Like, is there any other reason that we would lose our period aside from HA? So there could be the potential of a benign pituitary tumor that could mess with things. I have over the hundreds of women I've worked with, I've never had one say that that was their diagnosis because they all fit the bill of the exercising too much and not eating enough, even mm -hmm. though they will say, I don't exercise too much and I eat yeah. enough because that, that was me. That was me. A hundred percent. So yeah, I was gonna say like, I feel like that's probably the biggest thing is like your yeah. perception of what is enough food is probably skewered and your perception of what is too much exercise is also probably skewered. Like oh, you just yeah. don't know anymore, I think. Yeah. And for me, Marie, you know, what I learned in college was, okay, calories in versus calories out, right? Oh or like, gosh. you know, the more you eat, the less you move, you'll gain weight. The more you move, the less you eat, you're going to lose weight. And so at one point I was like eating a very not so much amount of calories. I'm not going to say numbers. And I was working out on a very regular basis, but I'm like, I'm not losing any weight. 
So I'm good. Like I'm an energy balance. Go me. No, my body was like, uh, 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 Cynthia, like things I'm, I'm slowing your metabolism down to like as slow as I can. And I am keeping on all the food that you mm-hmm. are, are putting in to me because I don't like things aren't looking up around here. You're, you're pretty much starving me. The amount yeah. of exercise I was doing, Marie, to the amount of food I was eating, I was probably in like a double negative energy deficit. So but what normal, I don't know if you want to say day to day culture says, you know, X amount of calories is normal for a five. I was only, well, I still am barely five one. And so (laughs) I'm not supposed to eat that much. Like my maintenance calories are whatever. So that's what I was doing. Mm. So, you know, and I like to say, you know, if you're listening to this now, you're like, oh my God, this is me. You only know what you know when you know it. Right. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's such a kind way to put it, to give ourselves some like self-compassion. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm curious before we start talking about like regaining your period. So if somebody is like hearing this and like you said, like, are like maybe feeling very aligned with it, feeling like, yeah, I think there may be something wrong, but their doctor had said like, no, like you're good or whatever. Like how, or do you have any tips for folks to like advocate to their doctors to be able to get support? So tips for your doctor, I would say, you know, if you feel like you're checking all the boxes and which I'd like to kind of go over some check boxes Mm -hmm. before we get into how to get your period. But if you are fitting the bill and you feel like, all right, this is me, but my doctor's also not validating this. So asking your doctor to hear you out. And you might, it depends how approachable your doctor is. I would say if your doctor isn't willing to hear you out or isn't approachable, I would say find a new one just because you want, maybe, maybe your doctor doesn't know about HA, but hopefully any good practitioner in my eyes anyways, is willing to want to learn about that Mm -hmm. to better help his client or patient, his or her. So I think that's important that your doctor is willing to listen to you and bring the facts bring the facts. Just say here, um, I actually have some tips on my Instagram of, you know, how to talk to your doctor. We can also, I can send you the link. We could link it in the show notes if that's easier as Mm -hmm. well, about how to talk to your doctor, but really, you know, bringing the facts like, all right, I haven't had my period in in this long. My labs are normal, but I wanted to say a lot of women diagnosed with HA will have quote unquote normal labs, but Mm -hmm. again, a missing period. You got to go back to doctors like, well, your labs are normal. It's not normal to have a missing period, Mm -hmm. but your ultrasound is normal. It's not normal to have a missing period. Bringing it back to that and, you know, asking if they're willing to hear you out and what they think about your treatments, which we'll talk about is, which is all solely lifestyle. And if they offer you the birth control pill or progesterone, so the birth control pill, again, it's just going to be a bandaid. It's going to put in, you know, external hormones. It's going to make you get a a period, but it's going to be a fake period uh, because once you stop that pill, it's not going to come back. It's not going to kickstart. It's not going to regulate if your doctor says that. And also I wanted to say there's a resource, noperiodnowwhat.com, I think. And we can also link this too. And she's got some Mm. fact sheets on HA versus PCOS because many women, yeah, many women will be diagnosed with PCOS. And so bringing the information to your doctor, all the the research you did, seeing if they're able to listen to you and work with you. And I hate to say, if not, like get a doctor that, that will. So, but running all the tests, you know, getting the ultrasound, the lab work and MRI rule out any pituitary stuff is always a great thing. Cause like I said, HA is a uh, diagnosis of exclusion. 
of other things that might be going on, which again, Marie, I can't tell you that over the hundreds of women I've seen, I've it's always been textbook mm-hmm. HA exercising or just not eating enough. Thank you so much for walking us through that. I really like that part of advocacy and like we get to have a say in our healthcare. Yes. <laughs> which like it, it should be normal, but I think it's just such a new thing that before it was very much like whatever doctor says goes, but now we get to have a little bit more of that like agency in our own care, which I think is really cool. So now let's say someone is like, okay, diagnosed, they have HA. Like I'm really curious about like, how do we start moving towards getting your period back? Like, how does that look like? How does that process look like? And then I'd love for us to talk a little bit about like timing, um, because there's a lot of things on the internet that are not very supportive. <laughs> yes. If it, let's just say if it seems too good to be true, it usually is. Right. Yes. Um, and just to be <laughs> so careful out there. Um, and even sometimes, Marie, with credentialed practitioners, we got to be careful. So, Okay. You lost your period and you're like, you know, I'm pretty sure I have HA or maybe been diagnosed with HA. You're like, okay, I got to do something about this. So the recipe I like to say to get your period back is enough food for your body, enough rest for your body and working on stress slash mindset. Now what poses, it's like, oh, all I got to do is eat a little bit more and rest a little bit more and, you know, work on some stress. Okay, cool. I could do that. Now it it's easier said than done because if you think about mm-hmm. all the different avenues of how we got to where we are with a missing period, whether we've had an eating disorder for decades, years, or, you know, we grew up in maybe a disordered household where mom was a certain way. And then we went off, well, just use myself for an example. I went off to school to become a dietitian. And then I had this image to uphold Marie, like I'm a dietitian. I have to, you know, Mm -hmm. look a certain way and eat a certain way and exercise a certain way. And for many of, you know, people that aren't dietitians, they might be, I don't know, a nurse and like, oh, I got to be super healthier. I'm a personal trainer, whatever it may be. We attach so much of our identity to our bodies and to how much we're eating, how much we're exercising. And it becomes a really hard thing to change, to eat more. I know I struggled with it firsthand. And at the time, there was no research, at least readily available to me to be like, okay, if you eat enough for your body, you rest enough for your body and you work on your stress, you're going to get your period back. There wasn't anything out there like that. So Mm -hmm. I was, I was kind of like fish out of water trying to figure this out myself. And so the weight gain, because chances are you may gain weight, which is scary. I'm not going to lie. So it's also dealing with that. It's dealing with potentially, you know, you've exercised at a certain gym for so many years and it's like, well, I don't know what to do with myself outside of exercise. So it's, you know, finding in essence, what else do I I like to do? And if someone told me, oh, you'll find what you like to do. No, I'd be like, no, exercise is my life. Like I'm never not going to (laughs) exercise. And so now I get to exercise and have a life. So it's, it's even cooler. But there's, there's so many confounding factors that play a part of eating enough for your body, resting enough. And then there's also the the layer of what if I do this and it doesn't work? Mm-hmm. Right? What if I do this and it doesn't work? What if I eat enough? What if I gain the weight? I, I quit the exercise that's intense. Well, then what? Well, I want to say the science is out there. If you eat enough for your body, rest enough for your body, you work on your mental health, stress, mindset, it will come back mm-hmm. if it is truly HA, which again, those are the only women I see. And uh, what else did I want to say about that? So it also comes down to the unknown, right? Well, how much do I have to eat? How much do I have to rest? How much is too much exercise? How much is not enough? Like all the things, right? So it's it's very multi-layered. And so mm-hmm. 
you know, focusing on your carbohydrates and fats is your primary fuel source versus lean protein and low carb or low fat. So it's really trying to work on, I like to call eating smarter and not harder and focusing on, you know, fueling dense foods, nutritionally dense foods. So for example, instead of a rice cake, you're having a slice of toast. I know how much as, you know, well, I can say I thought I enjoyed rice cakes in the past myself, but it's really focusing on the nutrition that's going to bring your period back, such as carbohydrates, which is the main energy source for your brain and fats, which of course play an essential role in hormones. So it's really sort of relearning how to eat again Mm -hmm. and uh, giving your body rest again. So Mm -hmm. yeah, it's simple in the grand scheme of things, enough food, enough rest, mindset, you know, stress work, but it's very Mm -hmm. multi-layered. So, and I always encourage women to get support in overcoming it. Yeah. Yeah. hundred uh, percent. Everything you said, like, I think it's always that piece of like, it sounds easier said than done, but I know that everybody listening knows that it's not like if you've had an eating disorder, disordered eating, like it's never really just the behavior. It's really mm-hmm. like the thought, the beliefs, the emotions that are tied oh, yeah. to it. And this idea of like weight gain being scary and having to unpack our own internalized fat phobia that we've learned. And like all of these steps like happen along the process. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious in terms of timeline, like I don't necessarily want to say like, okay, this is how long it's going to take. But the reason I want to bring that up is that and I told you this before we press record, but there are some people on the internet and social media that have these like six week to bring your period back. And like these like very precise time oh, and guaranteed, sorry, six week and guaranteed period back, which is super harmful. Um, but there's a lot of things like that on social media of like, this is a 10 day challenge to blah, 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 blah. And like this idea that like you should be able to bring it back really fast. Um, and I'd love for us to talk a little bit about that because it takes time in recovery and it takes time for our body to heal. Hey, hey, my friends, I'm just stopping this podcast episode to let you know about a low cost workshop happening this month. So the Balance Practice offers low cost f- workshops every month regarding different topics around eating disorder care. This month, we have our amazing psychotherapist, Manik, who will be presenting. I cannot wait for you to hear from her. This is going to be such a fun topic. So if you guys want to have more information, you can go to the website, www.thebalancepractice.com forward slash LC workshop to learn more and sign up for this $10 workshop. I hope to see you there, my friend. You know, everybody's journey into HA and everybody's journey out of HA is different. Even if I like to use the mm-hmm. analogy, even if you had like a, a twin sister, like a, a identical twin sister, her story, like if you guys did the same things, chances are it's not going to happen the same exact way. So mm-hmm. we got to we got to be careful of that comparison syndrome because there is a lot of that on there online. Like, yeah. oh, I got my period back in two weeks or, you know, and we just we don't know their story of mm-hmm. they could have been working on recovery seven years before that or. Or also too, which is super frustrating, is there's women out there that won't ever lose their menstrual cycle, no matter what a low weight they get down to, because we'll just say of an eating disorder, you know, and that just comes down to genetics, but doesn't mean they're healthy. So I don't want you to think also too, if, oh, if I have a regular period, I'm fine. I must be healthy because it could just be your body is like, well, you know, this is not the protection mechanism I'm going to use to keep the body safe. I'm going to keep the sex hormones going on and I'm going to, you know, take away from the brain or from other parts of the body. And so also there's lots of women out there that get regular cycles, periods, 
but they're not actually ovulating. So ovulation mm-hmm. is key in this whole process. It's actually, I don't want to say it's more important. It's equally as important as a period, if not more. So going back to uh, the initial question, Marie, which was, uh, hold on, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> the time. Yeah, time frame. Okay. I can tell you that the women that I work with typically before they join my group coaching program um, have worked on period recovery for a little bit. They've started to make lifestyle changes, be eating more, resting more. I quote an average. Now, I don't guarantee anything because let's face it, is anything in life really guaranteed? No. I usually say, you know, majority of my clients, which I take an, I take an average eight to 10 weeks, eight to 10 weeks period recovery. And now this is for those that are, had started working on period recovery before eating more, resting more, potentially have gained weight already. So I would say in the grand scheme of things, the book, No Period Now What is a great period, missing period resource. And um, Dr. Nicola Sykes quotes an average, I believe of six months. And that isn't with support. So I can tell you if you want your period back, getting the right support from a credentialed practitioner Mm -hmm. is going to fast track things Mm -hmm. likely if you're in a place to you know work on the behavior change and all that stuff but the whole six weeks thing if you're seeing someone six weeks guaranteed period if it seems too good to be true it usually is here's the bigger thing of this marie like yes you know the majority of my clients are like period 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 i'm hiring you to help me get my period back which is great but my approach is that i don't want to just get your period back. I want you to get a period, get multiple, like a period the next month, the next month. And I want you to be able to get your life back and not be confounded by the the black cloud of like, how much do I need to eat? Did I, you know, did I work out enough? Did I, um, am I gaining weight? Like, you know, all the, the mental chatter that goes on mm-hmm. in our heads when we're going through disordered eating or eating disorder. That, you know, if you do say a six week program, I don't know, could you get your period back? Potentially, but are you really healing the underlying reasons of why your period went missing in the first place? So that you can get a period and keep a period and actually live a free life. Chances are that I don't want to say chances are that is not going to happen in six weeks. Mm-hmm. And even in 12 weeks. So the coaching programs I run, Marie, they're 12 weeks long. And I just do that. There's no magicness of that. It's just three months is kind of enough to digest of like, yeah, I can do this for three months. But those behavior changes that need to be put in place to live a free, full um, life sometimes in most cases take more than 12 weeks. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. I would agree. Like 12 weeks is fast. It's a yes. lot. What do we think about yes. like, how long have you been living in diet culture and have like all of these thoughts? Exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah. And I wanted to speak on to just like that piece of like, when you said like, you know, when it's too good to be true, probably is also remembering. And I, I always like talk about this with like my clients to just like the internet and like now, like having all these online programs and all these different things, like people also want to market their thing. Like they're only going to show you the best results that they've had. Like of it course. is a little bit skewed, right? Like, and especially when you look at like non-credentials, because I know with us, it's a little bit different here. Cause like, we're not really allowed to use testimonials and stuff like that. And I think for that reason, because why would you use your bad testimonial? Like if someone took a year, like you're not going to try to market with like, oh, it's going to take you a year. You're going to take the one that's, you know, it's always kind of like having that like, critical thinking behind social media too, because 
Yeah, that's kind of how they guess. And I have to say, Marie, if I didn't, so now I know a lot more about marketing than I ever have just because of the work that I've done, you know, running my own business and stuff like that. But yeah, you could literally, if you know how to market, you could maybe not even have a marketing degree from, you know, university or whatever. If you know how to market, you can sell anything. If you make Mm -hmm. it look good enough, you could sell anything. So, and I know we want like, this sucks. Losing your period sucks. There's nothing fun and exciting about it. Um, having an eating disorder, disordered eating is not fun. It sucks. And we don't want to be in this sucky place. We want to like get out. And so if we see something like, oh, you can recover your beard in six weeks or whatever, uh, that's, we just want to get out of this crappy feeling. And the thing is the crappy feeling sometimes got to sit with it and um, work through it. And then the outcome, you know, after getting through that and however long it takes, I can promise is, is so worth it and better than any, any quick fix that again, is just potentially could be mm-hmm. a quick fix. hundred uh, percent. And I'd love to just quickly talk about just like, what does a healthy period look like? Like when we just talked like those benefits of like regaining your period, like, can we talk a little bit about that before we end today? Yeah. So a cycle day, let's just say there is 28 day cycle, which is your quote unquote, normal, perfect cycle. Many women don't have a 28 day cycle, even if they've never suffered from HA before. So I like to give a range of like 28 to 35 days. So cycle day one is the first day of your full flowing period. And then you count one, two, three, four until your next day of your full flowing period. So that's cycle length in terms of lightness. Like you want to, you're probably going to be using pads or tampons, you know, on a regular basis for at least two to three days. So in the book, The Fifth Idol Sign, uh, Lisa goes into like measurements of blood. And I'm like, well, you know, who's going to measure their blood output? Uh, (laughs) So, you know, I think she does give some examples on pads or tampons too. But well, actually, you know, menstrual cups could now measure uh, blood. So I I, I take that back. So having like a full flow, typically it'll ebb and flow, start out light, be heavy, then go down. But sometimes there's no normal flow, like how I just said, it'll ebb and flow. Sometimes it could ebb, flow, it could flow and then ebb. It could go. I was just talking to a client of mine. She's like, I thought my period was gone. And then the next day it came back. And so sometimes it can go like, I don't know, dormant, if if you will, and then mm-hmm. you know resurface back. So typically lasting, I would say at least four days, four days long and no more than like seven to eight days. And so I would say that would be a healthy period. But we also, if we're not confirming ovulation or we don't know we're ovulating, we could get this quote unquote healthy period every single month. And that's where infertility unexplained infertility where these fit healthy women are going to fertility doctors. They're like, you know, everything's good. You're getting your period. It's all good. Well, they're not ovulating because there's just not enough energy to make that happen for the body. So confirming ovulation is key. That typically happens between like 14 and 16 days in a normal menstrual cycle. But women that have HA that let's just say first got their period back, you got to give it some time to normalize. Mm -hmm. And just because what you did for period number one, as far as lifestyle changes, you could potentially have to adjust for period number two. So I like to say you got to try to get 35 days or less like with your first three periods and some ovulation to start to, I guess, dabble back into, you know, intense exercise or maybe um, start to explore intuitive eating a little bit. So does that, does that help answer? Yeah, no, I think that's a really, really good question. Like, and I, I really like, like a lot of what you say is like, it's everybody, like the normal is different for all people. (laughs) And I think that's really important too. So we're not comparing and like wanting it to be a certain way, but kind of like, yeah, just knowing that like our, our own flow will be different. And yeah, that's totally okay. 
Yeah. Awesome. Is there anything you want to leave our audience with any tips, any thoughts before we end today? I would say really, if this is something you feel like you are are struggling with, uh, to know that you're you're not alone and that no matter maybe what you've been told by other people, like I've had clients say, you know, medical providers have told them they're probably just never going to get their period back. Or they're never going to be mm. able to get pregnant naturally. This is a healable thing. This is not like a, you lose your period and you can do nothing about it. So know that there is light at the end of the tunnel and there is hope and that you can get a natural regular cycle by lifestyle changes. And if pregnancy is something that you're desiring now or in the future, given your partner is all good to go, this is something that you can also do naturally as well. Mm, I love that. And where can people find you if they want to learn more about you or work with you? So I would say I spend majority of my time, Marie, on Instagram. So I'm at period, so spelled P-E-R-I-O-D dot nutritionist. And you can also find me a little bit on TikTok, same username. And I also have a podcast called the Period Recovery Podcast and where I share, you know, informational stuff, but also inspirational stuff from clients that have recovered their cycle. And I think that's about it. Periodnutritionist.com is my website. And if you guys wanted to consider working with me, I would say the best place to do that and apply for coaching would be uh, via Instagram. Awesome. So all of the links, all of the things are all going to be in show notes. It's going to be super easy for you guys to go check Cynthia out. And let's finish with our fun questions for today. So the first one being, what is your favorite food? Tacos. For sure, mm. because they're just so versatile. You can do so much yeah. with them. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. <laughs> if you could have a superpower, what would it be? Gosh, probably to split myself in two, maybe. So I could um, get all the things done that I'd like to in a day. But at the same time, you know, that could probably result in overdoing it and going above and beyond, which I really strive in my life to create as much balance as possible with work, with my kids, with myself and with friends and and so forth. So I would say that, but that could just be Marie where I'm at right now in this season of life where I'm just like running from one thing to the next as a single mom. So the superpower might have to change day to day. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I love that. Superpower would be to have a new wish daily. Yes. Yes. There we go. There we go. One wish a day. Uh, There we go. (laughs) Um, What is your favorite way to self-care? I have to say nature, 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 Mm -hmm. nature, 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 Um, and music. Nature and music. So not at the same time. I typically, if I'm in nature, I like to unplug and I'm actually going up into the mountains this weekend, which I am so excited about. And music, literally music has saved me in some of the hardest parts of my life. Mm -hmm. And I continue to listen to it on a daily basis. And my boys are like, why do you listen to music every day, mom? And I'm like, well, I said, it makes me happy. I said, it brings me joy. Music, I have to say, um, and then nature whenever I can get out. I love that. And do you have like a favorite track that you always go back to or a genre? Mm, it's mood. It's mood dependent. Mm. Um, it depends. Like if I'm in a more uppity mood, I might turn on some like dance, R&B, hip hop and be shaking it in my my kitchen. Or if I'm more like chill, relaxing, I've recently um, acquired a like for country music. I love country music. <laughs> so I was hoping to go see my first country show this summer, but unfortunately, none of my friends really grew up or that are around me like country music. So I'm like, anyone want to I feel like country is like a like love or hate. 
type of thing. Yes. Like people either like love it and you're like, this is the vibe or people yeah. are like country. <laughs> yeah. 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 That, I, that used to be me. Marie. I'm like, oh, yeah. like, another banjo talking about no. trucks and fishing. <laughs> yeah. No, you just got to find the, the right, the right yeah. kinds. I love it. And then last question for you, because this is the balance dietitian podcast. What does balance mean to you? Balance. Oh gosh. It, is everything to me. Balance is everything to me because I know if I put more of my eggs in one basket, something else is going to, you know, bottom out. So work-life balance is extremely important. So I have a pretty set schedule with when I'm working and then I pencil in in a calendar almost every month, like, okay, these are the days I'm going to, you know, do yoga or meditation. I typically meditate Tuesday, Thursdays and Saturdays, but not every, I like, I give myself grace when I'm not able to yeah. get to that, you know, self-care stuff, making sure I'm spending ample time with my boys, being present with them, playing baseball, soccer, whatever it may be, spending time in nature. So doing all the things that I like to say, fill my cup. Um, so friends, music, nature, coffee, wine. So I make sure I'm bringing joy into my life, which yeah. helps me create that balance. I love that. I love that. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. It was so fun to get to meet you today and then having this really awesome conversation. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Marie. It's been a pleasure. Hey friends, I hope that you enjoyed this podcast episode with Cynthia. To learn more about her and her work, you can scroll down to the show note and just click on her Instagram or her website. We've also added in there a recommendations for a book so you can check that out as well. And if you enjoyed this podcast episode, please leave us a review. Reviews really help us reach more folks in sharing these anti-diet weight inclusive messages regarding our health. All right, my friends. I will catch you next week in the next podcast episode.